Welcome to another episode of Keeping It 100, another bonus episode of Keeping It 100, I should say. This is Jordan Rosario, aka DJ Storytime, coming to you from Denver, Colorado on a Wednesday evening. But by the time you guys hear this, it'll probably be your Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, depending where you are in the country. I am glad you're able to join me today as we got a lot of things to go over in the sports world. And we're also going to get into the anime world here a little bit today on the show. So what do I got going for you? Well, first we need to talk about that Patriots-Chiefs game that took place on Monday night, as well as the Packers Falcons game as well. We're also going to need to talk something a little bit serious, a coronavirus and the NFL. I mean, coronavirus, nothing new in the world, unfortunately. It sounds like we've been talking coronavirus since the show started back in April, but uh, there are some news regarding the coronavirus in the NFL specifically. We are going to get into also a preview of the NFL week for game five, some of the games that are coming up. We're also going to get into a Game 4 reaction from the NBA Finals, the Lakers winning that game, and then also talking a little bit more about what I expect from this series. We are also going to look into the MLB postseason, give you some updates, give you a preview of what's to come, and then we're going to be talking a little bit more Black Clover on the show. We're going to do a review, we're going to do a spoiler discussion, we got everything taken care of for you, so... Why don't we go ahead and get into it? Double C, I be crippin' yet the hard way. Double B's, I was broken, I'm ballin'. Double G's, I been rockin' Gucci all day. Double cup full of mud, I keep on pourin'. Double C, I be crippin' yet the hard way. Double B's, I was broken, I'm ballin'. All right, everybody, as I said, this is Jordan Rosario, aka DJ Storytime for the Keeping It 100 podcast show. Unfortunately, no Desmond, no Leo, my fantastic co-host, just myself for today, but I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun on the show today, and let's go ahead and start off with this. Let's get into Patriots-Chiefs. Uh, the, pa- the Chiefs won 26-10, blowing out the New England Patriots to my guy who has been on the show already, Brandon Smith. Come on, man. I just wanted your team to win. You know, get get Denver closer to uh, getting that AFC West division crown that I've been predicting since the NFL season started. I still have hope for that, by the way. All right, we're not that down. I mean, we're only three games back at the Chiefs. I mean, anything is possible. Now, if you could do me a favor, and we'll talk about uh, Patriots-Denver here in a second, Brandon. But if the Patriots could lay another egg for me, you know, when they take on Denver, that would be wonderful, my friend. Then all is forgiven with me with the New England Patriots. But anyway, that's not the main story right now. The main story is how we got to this place. Well, there was a kid named Brian Hoyer. You know, he's uh, been he's been around this league. He was with New England for a little bit, went to Cleveland for a little bit, uh, 
I couldn't tell you the other teams, but uh, he has gone back to the Patriots. 15 for 24 this game, 130 yards, one interception. Then they decided, you know what, let's bring in Jared Stenham, see what he can do. Well, he went 5 for 13, 60 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Not really that uh, that up well, considering all sort of things, but uh, at least he got a touchdown out of it. Then we got uh, Damian Harris here running uh, 17 carries, 100 yards. Uh, Rex Burkhead doing 11 carries, 45 yards. Uh, James White and, you know, had three carries, 21 yards. And before we get into it, I do want to say again to those who are not aware, uh, James White was not able to play for the New England Patriots for a couple of games because of uh, his mother and his father. Uh, I definitely want to wish Mr. White the most sincerest of my condolences my thoughts for this young man as he continues to grieve and as he continues to play hard for his new england patriots i hope he does very well this year and my best thoughts and wish and well wishes are for him and the white family as well and we got uh, Damier Bird getting five receptions, 80 yards, seven receptions, 38 yards for James White. And Nikhil Harry for all you fantasy players. Nikhil Harry did have three receptions, 21 yards, and a touchdown. And if you had Nick Folk, he went one for one with the uh, field goal. And uh, he contributed uh, also a PAT as well. So... Uh, not that much to say from the New England Patriots in terms of offense. I mean, it was going to be very difficult, nevertheless, with a Cam Newton being out for the next couple of weeks due to a positive coronavirus test. It is unfortunate, and I do hope that he gets, you know, recovered well. I hope it's nothing serious, that it's a very mild case, that, uh, he is able to recover from this very well. Definitely wish the best for him. And also, not to not to be too selfish here, but a slight blessing for Denver as uh, we probably cannot we're probably not going to take on Cam Newton. Although Cam Newton, by the way, has not played well against Denver. I should say, I believe his career record against the Broncos is he lost one. That was 2011. That was his rookie year. He uh, lost that big game. I think it was a Super Bowl 50, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. You know, the big old 5-0. We beat him in that one. We beat him in the home opener of the next season where we decided to get our uh, trophy crown there as well. So he was 0-3. We probably would have beaten Cam Newton. We probably would have taken that victory. But unfortunately, we will not be able to play him. We might have to go against Jared Stidham, or we might need to see Brian Horrier again. Both, I am not scared if I am a Denver Bronco. This is definitely uh, not... Listen, we beat Sam Darnold in MetLife, all right? And we'll get, well, you know what? I'll save that conversation later for, you know, when we talk Broncos, Patriots later on the show. But getting back to the point here, let's also go ahead and talk about the Chiefs. So we got Patrick Mahomes here going 19 for 29, 236 yards, two touchdowns. Again, best goddamn quarterback on the planet. I don't think there's a need to be any freaking argument on that one for sure. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire had 16 carries, 64 yards on the day. Uh, Tariq Hill, for all you fantasy players, had four receptions, 64 yards, one touchdown. If you care about yards, you got Travis Kelsey here getting three receptions, 70 yards. McCole Hardman had four receptions, 27 yards, one touchdown. So good to pick him up again for fantasy reasons. And you also had a Harrison Bucker who had two field goals. And he also had two extra points as 
well. So, you know, he, he definitely contributed to my cause since he's on my fantasy football team for uh, the fantasy football by Wolf Cola team. So definitely appreciate the help, support. I am glad to say that it that in this particular situation, I have won all three of my fantasy football games, so a lot better than some of my past weeks where I've just been, you know, depressed with all the law with L after L after L. But I can say I took home the W, as Desmond likes to say on the show. I took home the W for all three fantasy football league teams. So boom, there we go. Now, bigger story is the context of this game, you know. 26 points for Kansas City, you're thinking, well, you know, that's not a whole lot for Kansas City. I mean, they could score 30, 40, 50 at will, it seems like, but you got to remember here, Bill Belichick is a fantastic defensive coordinator. I mean, you know, he has been around this league for a very long time. Go ask the uh, New York Giants of the 80s when they won those Super Bowls because it was definitely not Phil Simms that was winning those Super Bowls. It was that defense, thank you. And even that uh, Super Bowl in in 1990, and I have to get that, uh, I have to get that particular championship year again, but it was against the Buffalo Bills for uh, reference. But, uh, you know, for the New York Giants, I mean, they're, they were predicated on a defense in those Super Bowl years. And, you know, Bill Belichick is also predicated on defense. So he knows how to take control of the... He knows how to at least neutralize one of your offensive players or one of your offensive schemes, something along that line. And it was 1990, by the way. But uh, getting back to the point here. You know, this is a victory where Bill Belichick knows how to neutralize your one of your best guys on the offense, you know, whether it's the quarterback, whether it's the running back, whether it's one of your wide receivers. He knows how to do that. So I'm not surprised at the low scoring here. I'm not even surprised at the low scoring on the Patriots side. The Chiefs, you know, I got to give them credit. They have a better defense than most people would say that they've had over the past couple of years. And trust me, by the way, for me to praise the Chiefs on this show is like is very nauseating for me. You know, I you know I have a, a Pepto Bismol right over here, just in case you know my stomach gets a little upset because I have to praise the Chiefs today. It's definitely right there, just in case you know I get a little sick, a little queasy. So I'll keep this short and sweet. The Chiefs had a good victory. They're four and zero for a reason. My my uh, division predictions for these Chiefs are de- definitely in trouble with the fact that they're four and zero, and the Broncos are one and three. And uh, everyone took a L today, as well as the Raiders and Chargers. So this gives the Chiefs a little bit of the cushion in the AFC West standings. I believe the Raiders are two and two. The Chargers are one and three, and Denver is one and three. So they're at least two game. They have a two game lead on the second. Um, on the second place team, if you will. So definitely a, you know, a great month for the Chiefs, great four games, and we'll definitely need to see what happens as they move forward throughout the latter parts of October here. Now let's go ahead and take a look at this next game. And let me ask you something, everybody. Was anyone surprised at the result of this game? Was anyone surprised? Green Bay taking down Atlanta 30 to 16. Was anybody surprised? Well, I will say this. I was I was surprised that Atlanta didn't get a lead at some point and then blow it. <laughs> not to not to trigger any any Atlanta Falcon fans here, but uh, there was no lead 
No lead to blow for the Falcons as they never had a lead in the first place because they were completely dominating this game. Let's talk about this game. Matt Ryan, 28 for 39, 285 yards, no touchdowns, but no interceptions. Todd Gurley, 16 carries, 57 yards, two touchdowns. If you had him on your fantasy football team, he was definitely well warranted and he definitely brought home the bacon for your fantasy football club. And if you're looking for any wide receivers that did anything, I mean, Olabid, Zacchaeus, he had eight receptions, 86 yards. Uh, Hayden Hurst, maybe, four receptions, 51 yards. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much about it. Uh, Elliot Fry had one field goal, one, uh, one PAT, so, you know... Not a not a whole lot to say on that one for the Atlanta Falcons. Again, I'm not surprised because of the fact that they've completely shot themselves in the foot two straight games in a row. We should be talking Atlanta Falcons 2-1, and one, but unfortunately we're talking about them 0-4 in my opinion. So at this at right now what's going on for Dan Quinn in his mind is he's got the uh what we call the hot seat going you know it's definitely blistering hot we're adding coals onto that fire fresh coals out of the uh, the chimney in the train if you remember back in the good old days when the uh, chi- when the trains were uh powered by these uh, chimneys, these coal-furnished chimneys. That's what's going on here. We're adding those chimney coals over into Dan Quinn's hot seat because it is on fire right now, and it looks like, and it better be his last year, because if if the Atlanta Falcons decide to extend this guy for another year, then I'm going to be of the mindset that Mr. Dan Quinn has something on Arthur Blank. Maybe he's got some uh, some blackmail. I don't I don't know. I, and by the way, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I, I seriously don't believe that he has any blackmail. That would be ludicrous. That would be very ridiculous for someone like me to say on the airwaves. But how else can you explain the fact that Dan Quinn sticks around after this year? That's all I'm going to say on that one. Okay, now let's talk about the Packers. So Aaron Rodgers, 27 for 33, 327 yards, four touchdowns. Mr. Uh, Fancy Football by Wolf Kohler, starting quarterback of my league. Thank you very much for your contribution today, A-Rod. Very much appreciated. Uh, if you were an Aaron Jones owner, he only got to 71 yards, so not as much as you would like to see. If you got Robert Tonyan Jr., which I I, I, I feel like... 56, uh, basically everyone that's not a Packer fan doesn't know who the hell I'm talking about with Robert Tunyon Jr. But, you know, he got six receptions, 98 yards, and three touchdowns, so you might as well get to know him. He's definitely going to be very good. And uh, I, I will say about Aaron Jones, let me take that back. He did have the 15 carries, 71 yards, but receiving got five receptions, 40 yards, and one touchdown, so definitely made a strong contribution to your fantasy football team if you did indeed have him. Then you got Mason Crosby, one field goal, three PAT, so not a bad job from him whatsoever. But bigger story here, Atlanta is dead in the water. I fully expect this team to be last in the last in the NFC South now. I did have them going third, but with the way that Carolina is playing nowadays and the fact that Atlanta can't seem to get off, get, you know, continues to keep shooting themselves in the foot it's definitely not looking like to be the case for them as for green bay they are probably going to take sole possession of the nfc north just as i predicted that chicago loss against the colts was very ugly definitely a game that they should have had but did not have 
Do you think Detroit is going to stop this team? Well, you know, Detroit had a lead, but then they decided to blow it, so not really. And uh, Minnesota, listen, you beat an 0-1-4 Texans team who who fired their head coach, by the way. Good job, Vikings. We'll go ahead and give you a golf clap. Yeah, that's probably all much you're getting because you're, you're you're definitely not being the Green Bay Packers this year. That that is that is going to be a fact. That is going to be a fact. So that this is kind of our this is my reactions to both of the Monday Night Football games. Uh, both of them were not unfortunately not as close as you would have liked them to be. Definitely some ugly blowouts there, but you know. The best that we could say is that Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers showed you on Monday night why they're the two premier quarterbacks in the NFL, and specifically for Aaron Rodgers, why he is pissed, again, pissed, that Jordan Love is on this team besides another wide receiver, which the Packers should have been taken in the 2020 NFL draft. What? Why did they did not do that is anybody's quest, anybody's guess at this point, but... He is currently showing you that that was a horrible, horrible mistake. So before we get into the games coming up in week five, I gotta tell I gotta talk more about what's going on with the coronavirus. So I, if you remember back on episode twenty four, which you could check out on you know if you want to check out episode twenty four, we definitely go into this a little bit more. But what we were talking about was the Tennessee Titans outbreak that was going on. And it still continues to be an outbreak as we just got reports that two more Tennessee Titans players have tested positive for this coronavirus. Stephon Gilmore for the Patriots has tested positive for the coronavirus. And there have been several photos that have been leaked about Patrick Mahomes coming into close contact with him. So now we'll have to check on Patrick Mahomes to make sure he doesn't have the coronavirus. Just a lot of scary stuff right now. And listen... I am always going to be on this mindset that human life is more important than a damn football game. Now, people will disagree with me and say, you know what? No one's dying. It's just mild cases. You get the sniffles. You get the flu. But you can go back out there. And if you're active, that you normally don't get the uh, the bad or side effects. I've heard that argument a thousand times in my life. I, I really have. But here's the thing. You don't know what's going to happen to some of these players. I'll be 100% on that. You don't know what's going to happen to some of these players. God forbid one of them passes away. I, I hope that's not the case. But unfortunately, in this day and age where money is the root of a root of everything, money makes everything go around. I mean, you know, to be to be fair, that's what I want the podcast to do eventually, make it go around by itself by getting money. I mean, if I keep it 100 on the show. But, you know, this is a passion project right here. We've been doing this for about five months. 
almost six months now that I think about it. Damn. But this is definitely a passion project, and we will continue continue to bring high-quality, hot content as we get more news in the sports, entertainment, music, and other parts of the other parts of the world right here but coming back to what coming back off of that tangent the point is the nfl season is not going to shut down until someone gets tremendously sick dies god forbid and the nfl has told you so so in fact let me go ahead and read you a quote from one of the nfl doctors in pertain that what what uh, I would call it pertains to the COVID-19 situation. In the nine weeks since the beginning of training camp, we have had a number of isolated new positive cases of COVID among players and other personnel across nearly two-thirds of NFL clubs and one outbreak among the Tennessee Titans. We have said all along that we expect positive cases. As long as the virus is endemic in our communities, we will see new cases among our teams. Risk mitigation, not elimination, is the key. Our protocols are designed to quickly identify new cases, get individuals the care they need, and prevent further spread of the virus. It is critically important that we do not grow complacent in our rigorous application of measures proven to be impactful, always wearing face coverings, maintaining physical distancing, and practicing healthy hand hygiene. This 2020 season, our common opponent is COVID. It's all of us together versus the virus. Listen, and that's all good for the NFL doctor, but I have said this religiously on the show. You know, you've got all these sports out here. We're going to predominantly talk about the three major ones that everyone cares about. The NFL, the MLB, and the NBA. Not to say people don't care about the NHL. In fact, I happen to be a very big fan of the NHL. Go Colorado Avalanche. I hope you win the Stanley Cup championship next year, which we will get into another story another day. But with this particular virus... Social distancing, I agree, is very important. NBA, you can space out a little bit. Now, you do have to guard players, you know, close proximity and all that. But the NBA took care of that problem with the bubble environment, daily testing, making sure that you don't go outside the bubble, you know, for whatever reason, even though, you know, some players like Lou Williams can't seem to do that because they want to get some wings at uh, Magic City in Atlanta. But, that, you know, I'll leave that story alone because that's in the past. And, uh, you know, we don't have to talk about that anymore. But they did a good job with that. And you're seeing right now, as the NBA season is coming to a close, that they have been able to do this particular season very well. With the MLB. Social distancing. You know how spread apart these ballplayers are when they're going out taking the field? First base, second base, third base, shortstop, catcher, pitcher, left field, right field, center field. You see, you see that social distancing, right? So you could do that. NFL? Look, the NFL O-line and D-line, a bunch of sardines, they are not social distancing in that fact. They are in that particular position all game. You have the quarterback, if he has to go into the huddle, he's being probably exposed. You've got the uh, running back, uh, you know, he could come into the huddle, at least he's spaced out a little bit. Wide receivers, they're spaced out a little bit. Unless you're playing press as a defense, then you're not being spaced, you're not being distant at all. So, 
NFL is probably the most trickiest sport in terms of social distancing. So for me to see this outbreak going on in the NFL right now, I'm not surprised. A lot of people aren't surprised. I'm just of the mindset that if you want to do this, and the MLB is taking notes on this by what they're doing with the postseason right now, but if you want to do this right, if you don't want to repeat the mistakes of what the MLB did, remember we were talking about outbreaks with the Miami Marlins, the St. Louis Cardinals, the um, Cincinnati Reds at one point, and, they, and all these other teams. If you don't want to be part of that spread, you have to do a bubble environment. You have to do something that's akin to what the NBA did. Because let's be honest, a lot of these leagues are doing this for the money, but for the TV revenue. Yes, the fans are important. Yes, they, I, I've seen you know limited amounts of fans at these games, but for the most part, you're getting your money through TV. And if you don't, if you don't find a way to contain this properly, because I would be hard pressed if this is the last story I hear about coronavirus. I'll tell you what: if you do not do this properly, you're going to have more of a major outbreak, and you're going to have more of these postponed games that are going on right now. We don't even know if the Tennessee game is going on this week because of what's going on with the coronavirus situation in their hands. Don't get me started with the Patriots. Stephon Gilmore now. You know he's got to have to take a seat. Who knows how many players he's coming into contact with, especially with the tackling and the press coverage and all that. And then that leaves Kansas City. I I said Patrick Mahomes earlier because, you know, the hand shook, hugged Stephen Gilmore, but who knows what, who Stephen Gilmore was covering. Tyreek Hill could be infected. I mean, I don't, I don't see this happening, but, you know, Travis Kelsey. I can name a, li- a lot of wide receivers, and not to mention his teammates. So you're in a very precarious situation, NFL, and I hope you do what's right and really start to think in terms of how you're going to move forward with this season. Because I tell, I'll tell you what, this whole laissez-faire attitude, and you know what, I will, I will say this guy's name on the show because you know what, it's his, it really is, the NFL is embracing Donald Trump's mentality. The whole, it is what it is. And let me repeat that again so that you can remember what he said about 200, well, I'll say at the point, 150, 160,000 Americans dying. But his mentality, the 200,000 people dying, it is what it is. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of attitude that you're getting in this particular situation. So, uh, it's it, it really is unfortunate, but we'll we'll definitely see what happens uh, moving forward for uh, for the NFL. Now, <clears throat> let's go ahead and talk about some of the upcoming games that we got in in Week Five of the NFL starting tomorrow. Now, normally, I would say this game is a is in a very atrocious game. A game that does not deserve our attention, does not deserve our airwaves, if I was talking about this game a year ago. But surprisingly, we get Buccaneers and Bears, and both of these teams are 3-1, and one, so we actually have a competent showing for tomorrow night's game. A very competent showing. Now, there are some things I need to talk about here. Tom Brady, of course, had a very fantastic game against the Los Angeles tar- Chargers during those five touchdowns. And Nick Foles didn't have the greatest game at all. Uh, contributing only 11 points for that Chicago Bears offense. 
and not not great whatsoever. But the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Bears are playing at home, and I take that into consideration. The t- Tom Brady has to deal with a vaunted Chicago defense that uh, has a Khalil Mack. No home crowd, but you know, listen. Anytime you have to go to Chicago, it's it's tough, especially in October, November, December, those cold months. Because Chicago, and I remember, I remember as an off story, I remember saying to some friends of mine, "Listen, I I, I remember what about one year ago, two years ago, where Chicago had to literally light their own railroad tracks on fire to keep things moving." Yeah, and shout out to my younger brother, Derek, who's going to uh, the Illinois Institute of Technology, kicking ass as a uh, freshman with the civil engineering program. But, uh, you know, he's going to have to uh, deal with that cold. And, you know, God bless him. God bless him indeed. So in this game, I am predicting that the Bears are going to beat the Buccaneers in this game. I think that defense will be enough, and I think that Nick Foles, now that he actually has a full week to get himself accommodated with the team, that I believe he'll move forward and guide this team to victory. Bills-Titans. This is an actually interesting game to pick up on because not only do we have two very good teams, we I don't even know if this game is going to be played, to be quite honest. I mean, you got the Titans who are dealing with the COVID outbreak, dealing with, you know, God knows how many players are going to be out. So if you want my opinion, I think if this game is played, the Titans are going to have, you know, a very, very, very limited roster. And that's a problem. Now, I understand their play at home. You know, that should give them the advantage. Mike Vrabel can coach the hell out of anybody. I think he's a very underappreciated coach this year. And so I give all the credit in the world to that. But and it's going to stink because, you know, this goes against my divisional division standings predictions that, you know, the Bills were going to go second. But this Bills team is far better than I anticipated this year. I mean, Josh Allen is playing out of his goddamn mind. I mean, I'm not going as far as to say that he's going to top Mr. Patrick Mahomes, but, you know. He is playing out of his goddamn mind. I would consider him maybe the he's definitely top five quarterbacks this year for sure. So I am going to give the Bills a victory in this game specifically because, A, I think the Bills have a very good offense. They have a very good defense. And the Titans will be severely limited this game if they decide to play this game. I just been balling out every season. Know it's some niggas I left in the bleach. I just been married to double cup. I gotta pull me a four inside another leader. Time to bend and run it up. I gotta put the new bells inside of the freezer. Back at the trap, I was ducking them people, ducking the birds, sending out the eagles. All of my diamonds gon' bust out the meter. Jaguars, Texans. Man, normally I would say this is an easy victory for the Texans, but I am not sure. 
My God, they have fallen. They have fallen off the cliff right now. Deshaun Watson can't throw it to anybody. Bill O'Brien is gone, and rightfully so, after making one of the dumbest head scratching decisions any anyone has ever seen by letting go of DeAndre Hopkins and leaving Deshaun Watson with literally nobody to throw, and a David Johnson that cannot seem to get himself on track. I think the Jaguars take this game. I really do. And it's it's a matter of you know it's not not that I think Gardner Minshew is a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson. I just think Gardner Minshew is a lot more stuff to work with than than a Deshaun Watson at this point. Bengals Ravens. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to do any shocking upsets on this one. I'm not going to go anywhere crazy. The Ravens will absolutely crush the Bengals. No doubt about that. The Baltimore Ravens are playing at home. They got Lamar Jackson that's playing, you know, besides the Chiefs game, out of his mind right now. I think Joe Burrow will have a good, good test, though, against a vaunted Baltimore Ravens defense. I think he'll definitely get his stuff going. It's not going to be as a. Uh, it's definitely not going to be a blow. Not well. It's going to be a blowout, but it's not going to be one of those where it's like, man, Cincinnati didn't do anything right. I think Joe Burrow will definitely show his stuff and definitely prove why he is. He is. He is worthy of that first number one overall draft pick. So the Bengals will play a very competitive game very early on, but I do expect the Ravens to completely demolish this Bengals team when it's all said and done. Panthers, Falcons. Does anyone have any trust in the Falcons right now? Even against a 2-2 two and two Carolina Panthers team. We start off the year own two, by the way, but they, you know they won two straight games. Does anyone have any faith in this Falcons team right now to beat the Panthers? Well, you know, I, I'll say this. It's a it's a divisional game, so there's definitely a lot more, I would say, fighting the Falcons for them to beat the Carolina Panthers. I will give you that aspect, but... Even if they hold, even if they get a lead in this game, do you expect the Atlanta Falcons to hold on to that lead? Do you? I ask that as a serious question to all of my Atlanta Falcons fans out there. So with all that being said, the Panthers are going to win this game. It'll be a close game, I would say. It's not going to be a blowout or anything like that. It's going to be a very close neck-to-neck game, but Carolina wins it at the end. Raiders-Chiefs. You know, talk about, you know, picking your poison if you're me. Because I absolutely hate these two teams. I absolutely hate these two teams with a passion. With a burning passion that invigorates my soul. It's like me choosing between being a Yankees and a Jets fan. It's absolutely painful. And so, who I have to pick in this game... It's tough. It's tragic. I hesitate to even say a winner of this game because I I really don't want any of these teams to win. I wish they could end up in a tie, but I know that's not going to happen. With all that being said, I'm going for the upset. The Raiders will beat the Chiefs in this game. They have to. Because one... 
And listen, for me to have to say on this airwave, right here, right now, that the Raiders are going to beat the Chiefs is absolutely nauseating. I told you I had the Pepto the Pepto-Bismol for a reason. This is one of those reasons. I have to say on the airwaves that the Raiders are going to have to win a game. But I have to say it. Because if the Raiders don't win, then the Chiefs are 5-0, and Raiders are 2-3, and and the Broncos aren't able to get you know any control in this division race. So do I like saying this? Do I like wanting the Raiders to win? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I would rather, uh, I I would rather go back to my gas station job at Circle K and work there for a day, than cheering on the Raiders to win this game. But I have to. So the Raiders will win this game. Cardinals, Jets. Listen, I know that the Cardinals have fallen off, losing two straight games in a row. But do you think I expect the Jets to win this game? then you must be on cloud nine right now. You must be, because I am not expecting the Jets to do anything whatsoever in this game. I'm taking the Cardinals to win, and it's not even going to be a close game. I think Kyler Murray is going to shred that Jets defense like nobody's business. And if it's not, and if it, and if the Denver game didn't get Adam Gase fired, then this game is going to get Adam Gase fired. He needs to go. He needed to go yesterday. He needed to go the day before yesterday. He he definitely just needs to go and get the heck out of New York. Eagles Steelers. Eagles got a victory over the 49ers. Now the Steelers are very tough. You know, they're I believe 4-0, 3-0. Yeah, no, no, 3-0 because they, they uh their game against the Titans was postponed. Never mind. So the Steelers are 3-0, Eagles are 1-2-1. I'm going to say, eh, I think the Steelers are going to win this game. Yeah, I just don't trust Carson Wentz, you know, in in Pittsburgh. I think the Steelers are going to have a field day, but it doesn't. It, but it, it should not. <clears throat> you should not get down if you're an Eagles fan. You have a chance to win that putrid division I called the NFC East, because no one in that in that in that freaking division is good right now in fact if i remember correctly the eagles are the division leaders at one two and one one two and one that's bad that's really atrocious but with all that being said the steelers will take the victory the eagles will be one three and one but you know based on how awful everybody else is they'll still be in the mix of things for the division so don't worry Rams-Washington football team. Or as I like to call them, the Washington whatevers. Mm. You know, the Rams are 3-1 and right now. And yes, I did say that they were a fraudulent team. However, Washington is not a team. They're not a team. They're not a football team. They benched Dwayne Haskins uh, for this game. I think that was appropriate. Unfortunately, I think he just needs to learn a li- little bit more on uh, turnovers and such, not how not to do them. 
But it is unfortunate because, you know, the Washington whatevers are a dysfunctional organization anyway, which, you know, has been that way since 1999 when Dan Snyder decided to own this team. Probably one of the biggest mistakes if you're a Washington football fan that that has come across for you is the fact that Dan Snyder has ownership of this particular team. The Rams will win this game because, you know, by default. Dolphins, 49ers. I think this is where I I called that Tua would start this game. I've not heard any official reports nor any official rumors that he is going to be putting on the starting gear or whatnot. But we'll see. Regardless, I think the 49ers will get a victory here if Jimmy G starts. If Jimmy G doesn't start, then the Dolphins will take a victory here. So when uh, when we get onto the show on Sunday with my boys Leo and Dez, we'll get into this game a bit more. Get some updates, get some predictions and whatnot. I'm going to say Jimmy G, 49ers pick up the W. No Jimmy G, Dolphins will pick up the W. Giants-Cowboys. Now normally, this is a very fun game for America. You got, you know, normally you would get two prestigious franchises going at it. Be a fun game. Normally these two teams would be somewhat good. But, <laughs> you'd be mistaken. These two teams are atrocious and pathetic. By the way, Dallas should have been 0-4. You know. But I, I'm done pinning, picking on Atlanta, so we'll leave them alone. You know, Dallas should be 0-4. The Giants are 0-4. This is a game where it's like, you know, kind of the, you know, it's like the, you know, what's that thing called with the, uh, how the, the justice thing, like, you know, the balance, uh, you know, that thing with the balance, the, the uh, balance for just justice. What is that called? There's a specific name for it where it's like, you know, it pertains to weight. Balance of justice scale, I believe. Scales of justice. Sorry. The scales of justice. My God. You see, this is why I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> this is why I'm not a lawyer. So, Giants, Cowboys. The Cowboys will take this. Because they have a quarterback, because they have a running back, because they have somewhat of a defense. But, man, Mike McCarthy, what are you doing? What are you doing? Now, we're going to go ahead and get into the next game here. A game that we desperate that uh, I'm going to need to be a, a little bit homework on. But before we do that, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Okay, so Broncos and Patriots. This is another game that Denver is going to win. 
I, I, I know I'm being a homer here, and I know that probably 95% of America disagrees with me on that prediction, that the Patriots will beat the Broncos. I will say this in terms of offering something that is not just based on, you know, a feeling, not just based on Broncos fanatic fanaticism and favoritism. Cam Newton is going to be out this game. And they're either going to put in a Jared Stidham or they're going to put in a Bri- uh, Brian Hoyer, who, in my opinion, are worse than a Sam Darnold. And a Sam Darnold was not able to beat a Denver Broncos. Now, I understand that the Jets' defense, they don't have one. Greg Williams likes personal fouls. He likes giving them away like, uh, like gifts on Christmas Day. I get all that. With that being said, I, I truly believe that Brett Ripien or whoever you start at Drew Locke is available will give you more than 10 points. You know, more than what the Patriots offense were supposed to score against the Chiefs defense. And I think the Broncos defense is better than the Chiefs defense. We're built to be better than the Chiefs defense, even even without our two main starters in Avon Miller and a uh, Jarrell Casey. I firmly believe that. Now, with all that being said, I understand that this is going to be taking place in New England, Foxborough, Massachusetts to be specific. So that's that'll be a difficult boat game. However, Denver will still take this victory. I firmly believe that. Colts, Browns. Now, this one is interesting only for the matter of fact that the Browns are 3-1. The Colts are 3-1. Now, I will will say this. Who have the Browns played? Well, I mean, they got selected by Baltimore. They beat a Cincinnati Bengals team. They beat a Washington football team, and they beat a Dallas Cowboys team. So, you know, there's not a whole lot to take praise on. But when we talk about the Colts, they beat the Bears, yes. They beat a – who did the Colts beat? Let's get a – let's get a a recap on the Colts season. However – while I get a recap on the Colts season, I will say this. This is going to be a very, very contested ball game. Okay, so you beat Vikings and Jets as well. So those two victories, I really don't count. So when I look at both of these teams, the Colts have one decent victory and the Browns really have none. However, this is going to be a test of quarterbacks here. Young versus new, Phillip Rivers versus Mayfield. And because this is playing at home, I think Mayfield will have the advantage here. I think Nick Chubb will have a very good day on the rushing side of things. And the Browns will beat the Colts. Seahawks-Vikings on Sunday Night Football. I, I, I really don't see how Vikings will win this game. Not in the slightest. Seattle takes this all the way with Russell Wilson having a monster day. I really do not see how the Vikings win this game, and I will leave it at there. Chargers Saints on Monday Night Football. The Saints will take it. I think Justin Herbert will have another one of those really good games. We'll really start to see the progression, progression, pro, progression. Yeah, progress, progression on this quarterback. The development on this quarterback. But Drew Brees is better. 
Alvin Kamara is better. That defense is better. Head coach, uh, I would say, you know, the Saints have an advantage in that too. So the Saints will beat the Chargers on Monday Night Football. That concludes my week five predictions for the NFL. So we are going to take a transition over into the NBA. Now there is going to be a NBA game finals number five, game five. That's going to take place Friday, seven o'clock Mountain Standard Time, my time or nine o'clock for all you East Coasters out there, all you New Yorkers. So this particular game is going to be... You know, let's talk about game four first. Now, the Lakers won 102-96. Anthony Davis put up 22 points in under 42 minutes. LeBron James had a double-double with 12 rebounds, 28 points. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope at 15 points. Danny Green at 10 points. So, you know, just a, it was a very much defensive struggle for both teams. Uh, Jimmy Butler putting up a double-double with 10 rebounds and 22 points. Bam Adebayo only putting up 15 points. Jay Crowder, 8 points. Tyler Hero had 21 points. And Duncan Robinson had 17 points. But definitely a defensive struggle for both teams. Definitely a game I would expect to see at at this particular NBA Finals. There was going to be at least one of those games going to happen in this Finals, in my opinion. Because they can play great defense. Especially when when you're... led by two great leaders in LeBron James for the Lakers and a Jimmy Butler for the Heat. Now, I did say that the Heat are going to win this in seven games. So I do believe that the Heat will take Game 5 to on Friday. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that Jimmy Butler is going to light a fire under their team, specifically Bam Adebayo, specifically Ty Hero, and be like, listen... It's our time. I am not going down to these Lakers. I'm not going down to them in Game 5. We are going to take this game. Book it. Book it that the Miami Heat are going to win in Game 5. So now let's go ahead and transition over into the MLB. Now, what we're going to go ahead and do, let's give you a recap of some of the games that have already happened because there's been a lot of games going on since Monday with the divisional series kicking off for both the American League and the National League. So I will have those scores for you in just one moment. Bear with me. Okay, so let's start off with Monday. Uh, Astros destroyed the Athletics 10-5. to I won't sugarcoat it. Uh, so the Houston cheating Astros beat the Oakland Athletics 10-5. Uh, to uh, you had uh, Lance McCullers Jr. giving up four earned runs, five strikeouts, four innings pitch for the Astros. Uh, Noli Paredes, two strikeouts, two innings, no runs given up. Blake Taylor, uh, one inning, uh, no hits, no earned runs, but no strikeouts. You had a Christian Javier, one walk, two strikeouts, and one innings pitched. And a Ryan Presley, one innings pitched and one strikeout. Carlos Correa picked up a solid four RBIs. Alex Brigman picked up an RBI. Michael Brantley picked up an RBI. Yuli Gurriel picked up an RBI. Jose Altuve with two RBIs, two hits. George Springer with four hits and one RBI. Definitely a very dominating performance in game one of this series. And when we go to the athletics, we had Chris Davis picking up two RBIs, two hits. Matt Olson with a hit, walk, and RBI. Mark Canha with an RBI, 
even though he did not produce a hit. And we had Sean Murphy go uh, one for four with an RBI. Uh, Chris Bassett, four innings pitched, nine hits, three yard runs, four strikeouts. You Simiro Petit had one strikeout. JB Wentgelden had a two in a zero point two innings pitch, three hits and a strikeout. Jake Diekman had one hit, one hard run, and one strikeout. Mike Miner had one inning pitched, one strikeout. Jordan Weems, two hits, two earned runs, one walk. Uh, did not record a single out, so he was definitely a waste out there. And TJ McFarland had one strikeout. That was game. That was game one. You know, I predicted that the Athletics would beat the Houston Cheating Astros, but uh, game one was definitely not the telltale sign of things. The Yankees in game one absolutely dominated the Tampa Bay Rays 9-3. Uh, DJ LeMahieu picking up two hits and a walk. Aaron Judge picking up a hit in RBI. Aaron Hicks picks up three hits and two RBIs. Luke Voigt picks up a hit. Tyler Wade has a run scored and one walk. John Carlos Stanton has one hit, one walk, but four RBIs. Gio Rochello, two hits. Glaber Torres with a hit, a walk. Clint Frazier with a hit, run scored, and one RBI. Brett Gardner with a hit. And Kyle Higashioka with two hits, two runs, one walk, and one RBI. Garrett Cole pitched, uh, pitched six innings, gave up three runs, two walks, but eight strikeouts. Chad Green, one walk, one strikeout. Zach Britton, one walk, one strikeout. And Luis Sessa, one walk, one strikeout. For the Rays, Yandy Diaz picks up a walk. Brandon Lowe picks up two walks. Both of those players, no hits. Randy Arozarena had three hits and one RBI. Choi G-Man Cho had one hit, one walk, and two RBIs. Manuel Margot had one walk. Joey Wendell had one hit. Mike Brusso did uh, did not record anything, just an at-bat. Willie Adamas had one hit under four attempts. And the Kevin Kiermaier, Mike Zunino, Austin Meadows, Michael Perez, they did absolutely nothing on offense. Blake Snell, you know, this is the Tampa Bay Rays ace. This is a guy that you expect to uh, produce a uh, big game. Uh... Now again, he wasn't the uh, the the root cause of why the Yankees blew him out, so don't get it twisted here. But he had a five innings pitch, six hits, four earned runs, two strikeouts, four walks. Ryan Thompson had two innings pitch, three hits. Oliver Drake had one inning pitch, one hit, and one strikeout. Uh, John Curtis uh, absolutely stunk it out, stunk the joint. Four hits, five earned runs, two walks, one strikeout, and two innings pitched. And Shane McClanahan had one hit. And one walk. So here's the thing about this game. It was relatively close until the top of the ninth inning, where the Yan- where it was four three at the time. But then the Yankees put up five runs in the ninth inning, and uh, that game was not close after that particular point in time. Now in the yesterday's action. You had uh, Miami Marlins and Atlanta Braves kicking off their series, and the Braves won the first game 9-5. to We'll start off with the Marlins first. Uh, John Birdie had one hit in five at-bats. Jesus Aguilar had done absolutely nothing in five at-bats. Garrett Cooper had one hit, one run, and two RBIs in four at-bats. 
Brian Anderson had three hits and an RBI. Miguel Rojas had one hit and one RBI. Corey Dickerson, nothing in four at-bats. Lewis Brinson, nothing in three at-bats. Matt Joyce had a hit in an RBI. Chad Wallach had nothing in three at-bats. Jorge Alfaro did nothing. He was a pinch hitter. And Sierra Magnuras had two hits in four at-bats. Sandy Alcantara for pitching. Six innings pitched, eight hits, five earned runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. Gimme Garcia, uh, 1.1 innings pitch, 3 hits, 3 earned runs. James Hoyt, 0.2 innings pitch, 1 hit, 1 earned run. Ryan Stanek, 3 walks and 2 strikeouts. For the Braves, Ronald Acuda Jr., 2, two for 4, 2 hits, 4 at-bats, 1 RBI. Freddie Freeman had a walk and a run scored. Marcelo Zuna, 2 hits and 2 RBIs. Travis Darno, 3 hits, 2 walks and 4 RBIs. Ozzy Albies, one hit. Dansby Swanson, one hit and two RBIs. Adam Duvall, nothing in four at-bats. Nick Markakis, one hit in four at-bats. Uh, Christian Pack did uh, actually nothing in that game. Not even an at-bat registered. Austin Riley, uh, two hits and one walk. For pitching, Max Freed, four innings pitch, six hits, four runs, four strikeouts. Not good. But uh, Darren O'Day, the bullpen picked it up. One innings pitch, one hit, one strikeout. Tyler Matzik struck out the entire side. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, you got three strikeouts in one inning. So when you equate that an inning equals uh, three, three, uh, three batters that you need to get out, and you get them all by the strikeout, excellent job by Tyler Matzik. Will Smith, uh, one inning pitched, no hits, no earned runs, no uh, walks, but no strikeouts. Chris Martin gave up... Uh, Two hits, one on run, one strikeout in an inning. And Mark Melanson, two strikeouts, one inning. So all in all, it was a good start for the Atlanta Braves. They picked up their first game, and they need to because, you know, what we're trying to do is eliminate the trend that the Miami Marlins always win a postseason series. Every time they get into the postseason, they have not lost a postseason series up to this point yet. Hopefully things will change because, you know, I don't think we want to see the Marlins in the uh, AL in the NLCS. Uh, I'm I'm not one of those proponents, and I don't believe the Atlanta Braves are either. What well, we game two of the uh, Houston Astros Oakland Athletics series. The uh, Houston also won this game five to two. George Springer picked up two hits, two runs scored, and three RBIs. Jose Altuve picked up a walk. Michael Brantley picked up a hit in four at bats. Alex Bregman didn't do anything. Kyle Tucker picked up a hit in four at-bats. Carlos Correa got a walk in an RBI. Yuli Gurriel, nothing. Josh Reddick, one hit in three at-bats. Martin Maldonado had one hit, one RBI. For pitching, very good job by Fran Valdez. Seven innings pitch, five hits, only two earned runs, one walk, four strikeouts. And Noli Paredes had a strikeout and one innings pitched. And Ryan Presley had one Inning pitched and only one hit. For the Athletics, Marcus Simeon, two for three with a walk. For Tommy Listella, nothing. Chad Pinder, one hit, one RBI. Uh, Mark Canha, nothing. Chris Davis, two hits and, and one, excuse me, two hits and one RBI. Matt Olson, nothing. Sean Murphy, nothing. Ramon Laureano, nothing. Steven Piscotti, one hit in two at-bats. Robbie Grossman, nothing. 
For pitching, uh, Sean Manea, 4.1 innings, pitch 5 hits, 4 earned runs, 1 walk, 2 strikeouts. Yusimero Petit, uh, 0.2 innings pitched, 1 hit, 1 on run, 1 strikeout. Mike Miner, 2 innings pitched, 1 strikeout. Joaquim Soria, 1 innings pitched, no hits, no earned runs, no walks, no strikeouts. And Lou Trevino, 1 walk in, 1 inning pitch. So... It's not looking good for the Oakland Athletics for the Houston Cheating Astros to get a 2-0 lead in this series. I do I did pick the Oakland Athletics to win this series and go on to the ALCS, so I definitely believe that is the case and we will be talking about game 3 it because that game has went foul today, so I'll have more updates on that series for you. For game 2, of the Yankees Rays series. The Rays won that game 7 to 5. And to uh, give you some statistics, to give you a recap of what happened, DJ LeMahieu, one hit, one RBI and five at-bats, Aaron Judge nothing. Aaron Hicks, one hit in two at-bats and two walks. Luke Voigt, uh one walk, one run scored. John Carlos Stanton, two for four with four RBIs. Gio Urshela, one run scored, one walk. Glaber Torres, two walks. Clint Frazier, one for four. And Gary Sanchez, nothing. Uh, Debbie Garcia, went one, one innings pitched, one hit, one on run. Uh, J.A. Happ went 2.2 innings pitched, five hits, four earned runs, three walks, two strikeouts. You know, J.A. Happ... I will say this right here, has not been the pitcher that the Yankees have wanted. He has not done well, really, if I could imagine, since he's been with the team. I'll be brutally honest, he's not done well with this team at all. Which is unfortunate because he was very good when he was with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays at one point in time. But uh, his tenure with the Yankees has been a lot to be desired. Adam Adovino, 2.2 innings pitch, one earned run, one walk. Jonathan Loisiga, 1.2 innings pitch, two hits, one earned run, one strikeout. Jonathan Holder, one innings pitch, one strikeout. And Nick Nelson, one innings pitch, two strikeouts. They so fresh, so clean, think they like me, like me. I wear more supreme than a hype bitch, hype bitch. Only blue, no green, don't excite me. I can make a hoe out your wife. Jeremy's got up on my toes, act like Shaki. Made her get down on the bottom and she tied me. And there was a game one for these Padres Dodgers series uh, took place yesterday. Dodgers picked up the first game five to one. Uh, for the Padres, you had Tr- Trent Grisham going one for four. Fernando Tatis Jr., one for four. Manny Machado, nothing. Eric Hosmer, nothing. Tommy Pham had a walk. Will Myers had one walk and one run scored. Jake Cronenworth had one walk. Austin Nola had one hit, one walk, one RBI. And Jerk- Jerks and Profar did nothing. Uh, Mike Clevenger, one innings pitched, three walks, one strikeout. Pierce Johnson, 1.1 innings pitched, two strikeouts. Ryan Weathers, 1.1 innings pitched, two walks, one strikeout. Austin Adams, 0.1 innings pitched, one walk. 
Tim Hill, 0.2 innings pitched, one walk, one strikeout. Then he got this guy named Garrett Richards, 0.2 innings pitched, one hit, two on runs, two walks, one strikeout, not good. Then you had Matt Stram, 0.1 innings pitched, three hits, two earned runs, one walk. Craig Stammen, 1.1 innings pitched, one strikeout. And Luis Patino, one, one innings pitched, no hits, no earned runs, no walks, and no strikeouts. For the Dodgers, we have Mookie Betts going one for five. Corey Seager picked up a walk and an RBI. Justin Turner picked up a hit, two runs scored, two walks and an RBI. Max Muncy picked up a hit, walk, and run scored. Will Smith picked up three walks. Cody Bellinger picked up a hit, walk, and an RBI. AJ Pollock, nothing. Jock Peterson, nothing. Enrique Hernandez, nothing. Chris Taylor, Two at-bats, one run, two walks. Walker Bueller, who has been a heck of a gem for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Absolutely a gem that, you know, they just picked up from out of nowhere, it seems like. Four innings pitch, two hits, one on run, four strike, four walks and eight strikeouts. Dustin May, two innings pitch, three strikeouts. Victor Gonzalez, one innings pitch, one hit. Blake Trinan, 1.1 innings pitch, two strikeouts. Canley Jansen. To close it out, 0.2 innings pitched and one strikeout. So this is a series I predict that the Padres are going to win, but uh, definitely not a good first game. And let's hope that their game that's coming on later today at 7.08 my time, which is, oh, should be going on almost uh, immediately right now. Let's hope that they pick up the game in game two today. Otherwise, my prediction may be in trouble. Uh, then today's games, now we had the Braves and Marlins pick up game two. The Braves won that game 2-0. Uh, Corey Dickerson had, and I'll go with the Marlins first, Corey Dickerson, nothing. John Birdie, one hit and four at-bats. Jesus Aguilar, one hit and four at-bats. Brian Anderson, one hit, one walk, in two at-bats. Garrett Cooper, one walk, in three at-bats. Matt Joyce, nothing. Miguel Rojas, nothing. Magnera Sierra, nothing. Lewis Brinson, nothing. Chad Wallach, nothing. You get the uh, you get the theme here for today for the Marlins. Uh, a whole bunch of nothing for for the players. Uh, Pablo Lopez had a very decent uh, pitching game. Five innings pitched, three hits, two earned runs, seven strikeouts. Richard Blair, no hits, no earned runs, no walks, no strikeouts. Brad Boxberger, one innings pitched and two strikeouts. And Brandon Kitzler, one innings pitched, one hit, and one strikeout. For the Braves, you had a Ronald Acuna Jr., nothing. Freddie Freeman, nothing. Marcelo Zuna, nothing. Travis Darno, one hit, one RBI, one run scored. Ozzy Alsby's, nothing. Dan Swanson, one hit, one RBI, one run scored. Adam Duvall, nothing. Nick Markakis, one hit and three at-bats. Christian Pegg, again, nothing. Austin Riley, one hit and three at-bats. Ian Anderson just pitched a little bit better than Pablo Lopez for the Marlins. He got 5.2 innings, pitched three hits, one strike, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Darren O'Day, point one innings, pitched, and a walk. Tyler Matzik, one inning, pitched, one strikeout. Will Smith, one innings, pitched, one strikeout. And Mark Melanson, one innings, pitched, one strikeout. So... All in all, the Braves are taking command of the series as they go up to nothing. Their next game is going to be tomorrow at 12.08 my time in the afternoon. And for you New Yorkers, that will be 2.08. 
for predictions for this game, I think the Braves are going to take game three as I don't believe the Marlins are a team that can compete with the Atlanta Braves at this point. And then for game three of the Athletics-Astros series, the Oakland Athletics did defeat the Houston Cheating Astros 9-7. to uh, Marcus Simeon for the Athletics picked up two hits and four at-bats with a walk and an RBI. Tommy LaStella, two hits, three at-bats, one walk, one RBI. Nat Orff, nothing. Chap Pinder picked up three hits and four at-bats with four RBIs. Chris Davis did nothing. Matt Olson had one hit, one walk, one RBI, and four at-bats. Mark Canna picked up two hits, one RBI, and five, and five at-bats. Steven Piscotti, nothing. Robbie Grossman picked up two walks, one run scored. Ramon Laureano picked up a hit, a walk, and a run scored. And Sean Murphy picked up an RBI in three at-bats. For pitching, Jesus Luzardo, 4.1 innings pitch, five hits, four and runs, two walks, two strikeouts. Yusimiro Petit had .1 innings pitch, three hits, three on runs, and one walk. Jake Diekman had 1.1 innings pitched, one hit, and two strikeouts. Liam Hendricks, three, point, three innings pitched, one hit, and four, strike, and four strikeouts. For the Houston Astros, George Springer had one run scored and four at-bats, but no hits. Jose Altuve, three for five with an RBI. Michael Brantley, two hits, five at-bats with an RBI. Alex Bregman, two hits, four at-bats with an RBI. Carlos Correa had a hit, two walks, and one RBI. Kyle Tucker had one hit, one RBI, and three at-bats. Yuli Gurriel had one walk and one run scored. Almiz Diaz had one hit, two RBIs. Martin Maldonado, nothing. Josh Reddick, nothing. Dustin Garneau, nothing. For pitching, Jose Arquiti had 4.1 innings pitched, 5 hits, 4 and runs, 1 walk, and 3 strikeouts. Blake Taylor had .2 innings pitched, 1 hit, and 2 walks. Josh James had 1 innings pitched, 3 hits, 3 on runs, 1 walk. Brooks Raley had 2 innings pitched, 1 hit, 2 on runs, 2 walks, 2 strikeouts. Andre Scrub had 1 innings pitched, 1 hit, and 2 strikeouts. And then for... Now, there are a couple of games that are currently going on right at this moment. We've got the uh, Rays and Yankees 5-2 top of the six. That is game three. The series is tied 1-1. One and, one. and the Padres and Dodgers are just getting started in their game. So, when I recap the series, I do believe that the Tampa Bay Rays are going to take this series against the Yankees. I think the Padres are going to upset the Dodgers here, and the Athletics are going to come back to win their series, and we and I have the Braves going on to winning their series against the Miami Marlins. So tomorrow, you're going to have the Braves and Marlins, or I should say today, since you'll be listening to the episode today, uh, technically on Thursday. The Braves and Marlins, they'll be going on at 12.08, my time 2.08 for all you New Yorkers, game four. For Athletics Astros, that will be going on at 1.35 p.m. my time, 3.35 Eastern Standard Time. Rays-Yankees, that's going to be going on at 5.10 p.m. tomorrow, 7.10 for all the New Yorkers. And Dodgers-Padres will be taking on 7 o'clock my time, 9 o'clock for all you East Coasters. So, 
Let's go ahead and the baseball talk away. Let's put the sports talk away. And let's get into some anime. So I talked about Black Clover in, for a little bit uh, towards the uh, last ep- la- the last bonus episode that I did. Now we're going to go ahead and do a little bit of a review for episodes 5 and 8. So how this is going to work, I am going to... Now, let me go ahead and give you a warning before we continue. I will not be doing a spoiler review for episodes 5 through 8 because I want you guys to watch the show. Watch those episodes particularly. However, if you listened to last episode, I told you about you know how I reviewed 1 through 4 already. So, I will be going to some spoiler discussions. So, if you would not like to listen to those spoilers discussions and, act, and watch the show first, pause it right here. Right at this particular point in time, I'll I'll, let, I'll wait. Pause it right here. Okay, okay. So now we're going to get into the show. So for episode five, to do a quick recap, Asta, who was the magicless boy, who no one expected him to do anything, who you know didn't get a grimoire at his grimoire a ceremony. When, uh, you know, when everyone else was getting a grimoire, ultimately got his grimoire when he heard that Yuno was in trouble because Revchi, who was an ex-Magic uh, Squad Knight, decided to, you know, bust the party, come down and raid some heavy ven- vengeance on Yuno because, you know, he wanted his grimoire so he can make a quick buck. You know, you gotta love these characters, am I right? <laughs> so he, he's doing all that. Then Asta comes running down. Now, he doesn't have any magic, so Revchi's like, oh, you're in trouble there, kid. So he, they do an initial battle, do an initial attack, and Asta, you know, gets the upper hand. He is a... I'm sorry, no, no, no. So Revchi ultimately snares Asta with his, his chains uh, magic, and... He uh, and Asta is about to give up because you know Revchi keeps telling him that he has no magic. They'll never become the Wizard King. They'll never amount to anything. Just a bunch of depressing, demoralizing stuff from a bully. But you know, <clears throat> ultimately speaks up and says, you know, which is a, a throwback to when you know Asta called you know his rival. During the Grimoire ceremony, but Yuno said, Haha, no, 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 sir. <laughs> that, that, that's not possible. That's absolutely not possible. But Yuno ultimately calls Asta's rival. This awakens Asta, and, you know, Revchia essentially gets told to back the fuck up. And yes, I will curse on this show. We've, we've cursed on this show before. Are you kidding me? So, Asta tells Revchia to back the fuck up. And. He gets ready to, and all of a sudden, he gets his grimoire. He finally gets it. You know, he's been waiting for this, and he gets a anti-magic sword. And the way that it worked was Revchi was trying to do his uh, chain tricks, and Asa was having none of that, absolutely none of that. So he was slashing all these chains up, and he's like, well, what's going on here? Why can't I do anything? And ultimately, Asta gets a finishing blow and absolutely destroys Revchi. 
And from that point onward, you get to see the bond between Asta and Yuno come back up. You know, the fist bump, as I like to call it, which happened, you know, essentially invigorated the rivalry. Now, this rivalry, how this all initially started was in the past, because I alluded to back in the uh, last bonus episode that there was a past that both of them shared that there was an event that changed them. Well, what essentially happened was in this past, Yuno was told by the father of the church that Yuno and Asta were raised in as orphans. He was told to uh, deliver a letter over to the neighboring chief of that particular vill- of the neighboring village, and you know, he, father didn't trust Asta because who who would at that at that particular point in time? He was a very spirited kid. He was uh, always causing havoc and mayhem, but he always wanted to help out. No. I, I, I listen. Asta's my favorite character, so I can't, I can't go all, uh, I can't go too hard on him. But uh, so Yuno gets all the way over to that village, and there's this drunk guy that gets kicked out of a tavern who admires Yuno's necklace. Is like, I want some of that chunk. Ch- I want some of that chunk change. I gotta go buy me some more beer. You know, drunk guy, drunk, drunk guy logic. Am I right? <laughs> so he's he's getting all the way over there. He's about to tack. You know, gets the necklace, starts beating him up, and uh, you don't want to try and fight for himself, but, you know, he the drunk guy is really getting to his face saying, if you do that, you're dead, you know, that sort of thing. Then all of a sudden, Asta comes to the rescue and starts going at this guy, a- absolutely at this guy. And, and listen, he's short, he's a very small child, this guy is a grown-ass man, and even though he was, Asta was getting the crap kicked out of him he was like uh-uh i ain't having none of that give me that necklace back and he keeps fighting and fighting and ultimately the guy drops the necklace and goes away but at that point in time both of them changed to where you know you know was starting to believe himself more a lot more wanting to become the wizard king and you know they grew up a little bit and you got to see that bond kind of initially shift away when at the introduction of the show you know they were kind of standoffish as i said before but they ultimately rekindled their bond and then they get over into the magic academy i'm sorry not the magic academy the magic squad knights entrance exam now, what I really liked first before we go forward, you know, I, I really liked how that story goes from, you know, just two, you know, really two kids who grew up all that time, yet were not able to kind of bond because, you know, you had one guy who just had all the magic, who got, who had everything that, that he, you know, he was powerful. Like, everyone could tell that this guy was powerful, but yet... He, you know, you had this runt Asta who uh, d- couldn't do anything. Now, I don't, I don't mean to say that Asta is a runt, no, none whatsoever. I mean that was just the mentality of the village. But you know, Asta trained himself, proved himself to be able to be stronger, to be able to take the shit that people were throwing at him. And it's like, watch me, watch me turn this to lemonade. And so, during you know their travel to the kingdom the uh, the magic the clover kingdom which is where the magic knights exam was going to take place you had a 
you, during that trouble, you got to see Yuno's superior magic ability. Yeah, you got to see Asta, you know, use his magic, anti-magic sword, his strength, you know, every now and then. But you can clearly see that Yuno has the magic advantage in this situation, which, you know, is very reminiscent of a rivalry, like, you know, just trying to show off your power, but yet, you know, the other guy's like, you know, what, don't help me, I can do this all by myself, you know. That kind of brotherly banter between those two, which... I think it's really cool to show that they do all of that. And when they get to the ma- so they get to the Magic Kingdom, they get they get ready for the exam. And ultimately they go through and, you know, get to see the city for what it is. They get to see how big it is, you know, it's kind of reminiscent of you know, you had the expression of two big fish in a small pond. Well, you move those fish into a bigger pond and you get to see that they are uh, not so big anymore <laughs> and they get to they get to the exam the and they exam arena where they're all being tested and you get to see all these magic knight captains now there's specifically nine magic captains in total you have uh first Yami Tsukihiro, Captain of the Black Bulls, Nozel Silva, Silver Eagles Captain, Fuego, Fuego Leon Vermilion, Crimson Lion King's Captain, Jack the Ripper, Green Praying Mantis's Captain, Charlotte Rosalay, Blue Rose Knight's Captain, Gildra Poizot, Purple Orca's Captain, and I probably mispronounced that by the way, uh, Dorothy Unsworth, Coral Peacock's Captain, Real Boy Mortier, the Aqua Deer Captain, William Van Jontz, the Golden Dawn Captain. And as they're going through these tests, as they're going through all the tests, you you notice that Asa can't do a lick of magic, so he's practically useless out there. But there's this one guy, Seke, that's always encouraging Asta to do his thing. And you're thinking, oh wow, look at this guy. He's being very st- stand upish. He, you know, he's becoming, you know, an awesome guy, an awesome, you know, person, whatnot. But when they get to that final test, the the fight between Asta and Seke, you know, Seke comes up to Asta and says, "Listen, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get into the Magic Knights, and I'm going to chill. And uh, you're you're a worthless runt who." Uh, who deserves to go back to the guard where you came from? You know that kind of talk. So Asta, you know, not a guy who to slack off, not a guy to take shit from nobody. As soon as the round goes off, as soon as the opening knot is fired, Asta immediately goes in with his his sword. Even though Seke has got this impressive bronze cannonball that's gonna light him up to his chagrin, that does not happen, and Asta takes him down very very easily. And what I really like about this scene is that, you know, Asta then says at the end, listen, I'm not here to slack off. I'm here because this is a stepping stone to my path into becoming the Wizard King. Like having that determination, having that proxy, having that bravado, even though you failed all the other magic tests, for you to say that and are wanting to get into the next round is pretty incredible. Very, very, very incredible. So that was one through four, and in my opinion, definitely a good introduction to the series as a whole, and you know, def- it definitely gets you revved up for the next parts to come. So for this next part, 
this is not a spoiler discussion. This is just a general how I feel about these episodes. So for uh, episode five, again, I really like, you know, the comparison between Asta and Yuno specifically in the the selection part of the of getting chosen into the Magic Knight Squad. I won't tell you who goes into where, but it'll be very obvious based on their personalities from their past histories when you go back to one through four, you know who's going to go where in this scenario. And also, you get to see... So this is this is kind of where the series acknowledges who the protagonist is. Because at this point, throughout the other episodes, you're going to definitely see more of a intense focus on Asta. And so, episode six... Uh, Asta gets to meet his his squad members, and he gets to re- interact with them, and you get to kind of see what he does specifically. And, and I like, definitely like all the different personalities that are brought to the table. And he also gets that welcoming from his members as well, which is you know really important to someone like him. Especially because, again, from where he has come from so far in the show, you know, to get that recognition is pretty incredible. I won't go into what exactly happens. That will be a discussion for the next episode, but it's it's genuinely very sweet. And then, you know, in episode 7, Asta gets his... Uh, gets to finally call home his home in this, in this, in this particular episode. And he also gets to meet a new rookie... Who is part of the Black Bulls alongside him? I won't go into who. I won't go into what uh, what that character is all all about. But uh, let's just say there is a uh, bit of a uh, bit of a common theme in 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 this episode. I'll say that. And then in episode eight, you get to see that uh, Asta is off onto his first mission. He finally gets to uh, do what he has wanted to do, which is to protect people, to finally use his magic knight duties, and you get to kind of get a little brief taste of what those uh, of what his first mission is like. Now, overall, the the episodes five through eight, I I like the fact that this again is a very 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 focused. Uh, Focus kind of episodes for Asta, again, the main protagonist, because you you get to see how humble this guy this guy is. You get to genuinely see how likable he is because, I mean, yeah, he could be a little loud, and that might be annoying to some people. I understand that. But he uses his loudness, in my opinion, to a charm. That's himself coming out. That's him saying, I don't need to be what you want me to be. I'm going to be whatever I want to be, feel like it. And if you don't like it, then, you know, then shove it. <laughs> if I could say it so nicely. But I, you'll de- listen. What I consider one through four, the introduction, five through eight is, you know, Asta's introduction to his team his squad as the show progresses. So we'll get into more spoiler discussion, more content related discussion in you know next episode when I go through and do a brief review of episodes nine through twelve. So 
We have talked about the NFL reaction to Monday Night Football games. We have previewed the Week NFL 5. We have previewed Game 5 of the NBA Finals, did a reaction for Game 4. We have reacted to the MLB games going so far, and I've given you my predictions for where those series will go, and we touched on a little bit of Black Clover today. So, for Keeping It 100, this is Jordan Rosario, aka DJ Storytime, and we're signing off.